so wonderful to have you. And I just want to welcome everybody that's tuning in online or maybe those of you watching this at one of the correctional facilities. We're so grateful to have you connected with us. And man, it is an exciting day um, as we conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, I hope it was a great experience for you. If you've never done it before, there's something about kind of putting yourself into a place of discipline to allow God to actually do some things inside of you. And I know probably we all have things we've been praying for, and maybe you're kind of got to the end of the, the fast and the prayer and the time, and you're like, you know, I haven't seen the thing I've been praying for yet. Can I just encourage you to carry it on? Like, like you can end the fast if you want. That's cool. You don't have to go, I got to eat something or got to whatever. But, but I would encourage you to carry on praying for that thing that you're praying for. In fact, we had such an incredible prayer gathering the last time we had it during the fast that, that I told the team, I was like, we should put another one on the calendar and do it again. And so I want to let you know, if you haven't seen it, but February 8th, we have another prayer gathering. It's on a Tuesday night, 630. Can I just encourage you, if you've never been to one, you got to come. Because I'm telling you, it's one of the most life-giving experiences. You can, and I know you're like, prayer, come on, that's, come on, who goes to prayer? Born. No, I'm telling you, it will change your life if you come to it. I just, I really believe that because I believe that God does things when we pray. Amen. And I believe that this year is going to be different. I really do. That's what this series is. We're talking about what it means to be different. And I believe that. In fact, do me a favor and turn to the person you're sitting next to them and tell them this year, go and tell them, it's going to be different. Tell them this year is going to be different. I'm, I'm just kind of setting my mind and my spirit in that direction saying this year is going to be different. Now, let, let me just kind of qualify that. Um, you and I are probably going to deal with some of the same stuff that happened to us in 2021. Like, I, I'm not saying that we're going to have the year where we don't deal with all kinds of issues and problems, you know, where your dryer doesn't break down or where your water heater doesn't go and your car doesn't break down. And can I just say that you're probably going to deal with some of the same family drama you dealt with in the past year? It's very possible. Right? Because people are people and we saw family. You're going to probably deal with some of the same kind of work issues. You're going to deal with some of the same kind of health issues possibly. I mean, we're, we're going to deal with life's disappointments. I, I'm not saying that this year your life is going to be smooth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, this year what we're choosing to believe is that this year we are going to be different. In other words, the way I respond when things happen to me, that's going to be different. The way I carry my spirit into situations, that's going to be different. The way I handle life's disappointments, I might, still, I might still deal with them, but the way I handle them is going to be completely different. And I believe that because the, the different that we're talking about, let me just say this, is not in the world around us, but it's in the world within us. That's the thing that will really bring change. You know, at the beginning of every year, one of the things that we're thinking about the most is change. One of the things that we really want is we're like, I want, I want to see some things change. That's why some of you, you know, it's like, okay, pick back up that rhythm. We're going to go to the gym. Pick back up. I'm going to start reading. Pick back up. I'm going to start eating better. It's because we, we know there's something about a new year that intuitively just kind of makes us think, let's reorient our lives Let's make sure they're pointed in the right direction. Here's one thing. If, if you're not sure where to start, uh, Marie Kondo would tell you you should start in the closet. Do you all know who Marie Kondo is? Okay. Like, if, if you're not sure where to start, if you're going, I want to reorganize my life. I want to get my life back on track. I want to move in a different direction. Marie Kondo would say, start 
with your closet. That, that's, that's what she would say. Start with your clothing. In fact, if you've never followed Marie Kondo, she says you eliminate clutter from your life by eliminating clutter from your closet. Amen. Am I preaching? Some of you are like, my wife, can I just tell you about my wife? My wife has the spirit of Marie Kondo in her. Uh, she does. She has the spirit of Marie Kondo. In, in fact, um, what I, it's kind of a running joke in our family um, but my wife, she is definitely no hoarder. She does not hoard things. She's not a hoarder. She's a pitcher. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? She's a pitcher. She throws stuff away. You got to be careful. You better hide stuff if you want to make sure you keep it. Because she, she said this over and over. Like She was like, oh, well, if you haven't used that in six months, you might as well get rid of it. She said that numerous times. If you haven't used that, if you haven't worn that in a year, you need to get rid of it. In fact, this is, this is a funny story. Um, one year, this was a couple years ago, it was winter time, and I was uh, invited to go on a day ski trip. And I thought, okay, that's going to be great. I'm going to go skiing. So I went into my drawer to um, pull out my snow pants. I had these amazing, like, North Face snow pants that someone had given to me. They're, they're really expensive, nice ones. And I go uh, just shuffling through my drawer, my clothes, and they're gone. And I said, honey, you know where this is going. I said, I said, have you seen my really nice snow pants? And she said, those pants that were in the drawer? She was like, well, yeah, I got rid of them. I said, why did you get rid of them? She said, because you haven't worn them in like a year. I said, they're snow pants. You only wear them when you go skiing. Why would you... See, my wife, she, she's not a hoarder. She's a pitcher. Now, let me just say this, okay? I'm not a hoarder. I'm a saver. Any savers in the house? Yeah. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a saver. I save it just in case I need it in the future. You know, my wife, she's told me for so long, she's like, why do you have all these tools? You never use them. I'm saving them just in case I need them for a project. Hello? And then I have a project, and I forget I have the tool, and then I go out and buy it. That's, a, that's what happens. Kind of an embarrassing confession to make. Um, my, my wife, one day, she kind of was just tired of my closet bursting at the seams. And uh, she went through, this was about a year or two ago, and she counted up all of my tops that were hanging in my closet. And when she got to 100, she stopped. You know... It sounds kind of embarrassing to say it out loud, actually, but I have a lot of clothes, and I, I like clothing. I don't know. It's, it's weird because I don't like to shop. Okay, let me just say that. I'm not a shopper, but I like clothes. There's just something about it. Whenever I go out and I see, you know, something new, and it's funny because, like, about two weeks ago, um, we were trying to kill some time, my wife and I, and um, she, we were waiting for something, and she said, hey, let's go to Target. Now, I, just so you know, I am anti-Target. I'm against Target. I have an issue with Target. Okay, I don't ever want to go in Target. Not because of some political, don't, that, not that. It's because every time we go in Target, we spend at least $100 every time. And she's like, let's go to Target. And I was like, no, let's, she was like, okay, fine. So we go to Target. She's like, ooh, they got clothes. Let's look at the clothes. And I'm like, no, I don't want to look at the clothes. So she goes to the women's section and there's nothing. And we go walking by the men's section. And I ended up with two new pieces for my, I ended up with a new jean jacket and a new hoodie because they were on sale and it was just a great day. And I, my wife, this happens every time we go to the store, I end up with a new piece of clothing. You know what's interesting is I, is I think about my closet and, the truth is this, the Christian life 
has a lot to do with clothing. The Christian story, I know you might not believe this, the whole entire Christian narrative and story starts and, and ends with clothing. If you don't believe me, you could read in Genesis in the early narrative of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? In this story of Genesis 3 where, where they disobey God and they eat from the tree they weren't supposed to eat from, right? The moment they did, the Bible says their eyes were open and they, they felt naked and ashamed and they saw their nakedness. So what did they do? They got out a needle and thread and they sewed together coverings for themselves out of organic material, right? That's, that's the beginning of our story, is, and, then, and then when God showed up and he finally found them because they were hiding, notice this, that God said, what are you doing? And I like to read behind, between the lines, what are you wearing? That looks awful. You, you, what are you doing and what are you wearing? And what they tried to do in the temporary, God said, no, 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 that's not the way that we have to do it. To, to, they tried to cover their sin with clothing and it wasn't good enough, so God had to step in and he sacrificed the life of an animal and then he made them leather outfits and said, this is better. And it was actually a picture of what we would see in Christ. Believe it or not, throughout the whole entire Christian narrative, clothing is a part of it. And here's what's interesting when I think about the idea of being different. You know one of the things that makes us stand out so different from one another? The way we dress. We all have a different style. We all dress a little bit different. Some like to dress up, some like to go casual. So, I mean, it's, we're all a little bit different in the things we wear. And here's what I found. The stuff we wear is often an extension of actually who we are. The, the truth is what we wear is an extension of the person that we really are. And how we dress says a lot about the person we are on the inside. And what we're talking about is how to change that this year. Now, last week, if you were here, we looked at something the Apostle Paul said about change. Apostle Paul said that we are to conform to the pattern of the world. You know, the world has all kinds of different patterns, plaids, and stripes. The, the world around us has all these patterns, and Paul said we're not to conform to it, but do you remember this? But we're to be transformed by the renewing of our, white, of our what? Anybody remember? Of our minds. And what did we discover in Colossians 3 last week is that there is a step that we have to take after we say yes to Christ, and this is an ongoing step that we have to learn to set our minds on things above. Until we address the thought patterns, there are the things that create the pathway that actually results in the behaviors of our life. And so we said, we're going to start with the thought patterns. That was last week. This week, we're going to pick back up in Colossians 3. So if you got your Bible with you, go ahead and get it back out. Your electronic device, your notepad, whatever you do to lean in. This is actually part two of the same message. We're going to pick back up where Paul left off. Paul says, to start first, you've got to change your patterns. Today, we're going to see that you've got to change your clothes. You've got to change your patterns of your thought life. But then you're going to see we also have to change or close. It's kind of like the, the story of baptism. What an incredible story of baptism that we got to celebrate today. Wasn't that amazing? Right? But that, that's a picture that Paul gives even at the beginning of Colossians, 1, uh, Colossians 3, if you saw that. That we are raised to life with Christ. That you've died and your life is hidden in Christ. What do you have to do when you get baptized? Bring a change of clothes, right? So now Paul goes on to talk about that clothing. 
Look at this, Colossians 3, verse 5 through 10. We'll start there. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. It says, you used to do these things. I love that part. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now look at verse 10. We're told to do what? Everybody say those first two words, to put on. We gotta put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Here's what Paul does. Paul compares our old earthly nature to clothing. That's what he does. Kind of uh, reminiscent of Adam and Eve. When they messed up, it created this ongoing sinful nature. And their first thing that they wanted to do was what? Cover it up. So here's what Paul helps us understand when he talks about this, is that we don't even realize this, but so often a lot of the habits, a lot of the patterns in our life actually lead to clothing. It leads to stuff that we wear. For example, a lot of times we don't even realize it, but Paul said that many of us with our old nature have put on something that we wear. Did you notice that? Paul said that there's something that we wear. There are patterns. There are things that we do. Sometimes even when we're little, we're little and we do these things and then they become patterns. And next thing you know, it's the very thing that we wear. Like, for example, when I was a kid, I was probably maybe about seven years old. I don't remember exact, but I, it's funny how you have these memories that date back so long and you just, you, you never seem to get rid of them. I, I, one of my earliest memories, I was young and I was thirsty and so I went into the kitchen and I didn't ask for a drink. I just went in to help myself. And so I go into the kitchen and I open up the refrigerator and there's this jug of lemonade there on the shelf. And so I grab this jug of lemonade, it's real heavy. And while I'm getting the lemonade out, I accidentally spilled a bunch of lemonade on the floor. I freaked out. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom is going to be so mad at me. And so I, I didn't even drink the lemonade. I put it away. I got some paper towels. I cleaned up all of the lemonade. <gasps> Whew, it was good. And then I walked out of the kitchen. Now, a few minutes later, my mom comes walking into the kitchen. She walked into it like you walk right into a crime scene. See, I, I thought that I had cleaned up my mess but little did I know that lemonade is a lot like blood. You can't really get rid of it. And so I go walking, she goes walking into the kitchen and it's like. And my mom calls for me, Tim, Tim. And I go, yeah. Did you get into the lemonade? No. Are you sure? You know, she knew, you know. Did you get into the lemonade? No. I did not get into the lemonade. Why is the floor all sticky? I don't know. I didn't do it. And to this day, I maintained my innocence. But 
The truth is I was doing what? I was lying. And what's interesting, okay, because what, what started out like lemonade that just sticks to the floor, for whatever reason, actually stuck to my soul. And the things that we pick up along the way, they actually become patterns so that what starts out as lying to your mom about lemonade eventually turns into lying to your boss, lying to your spouse, lying to your children, lying to yourself. And, and Paul says, we don't, may not even realize this, but here's what's happening. We have an earthly nature that we have put on. And we've picked up things. And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes we've worn this for so long that we actually literally just make excuses and say, this is just who I am. Paul, Paul talks about things like anger or what's it, rage. You know, where you just blow off at the temper, just the easiest thing sets off in the moment you do, everybody better watch out. You're like Tasmanian devil. I will destroy everything in my path. Paul says, he talks about anger and he talks about rage. And um, Paul talks about slander, you know. Some of us don't realize, but we're always carrying around concealed in us the most powerful weapon on the face of this earth, and it's our tongue. And the moment someone says something that we don't like, what do we do? We just destroy them. Or sometimes we may not destroy them verbally, but we do it now on a keyboard. We do it now with our thumbs but we're still slander, we're destroying people. Or, or, or you know, maybe um, it, it could be that lying, it could be slander. Or he said even this, he said, um, or it could be cursing, foul language, dirty talk. It could be that we struggle with revenge, malicious behavior. You know, when someone does something to me, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna get even. I'm gonna do worse to them than they did to me. And these are the things that, let's be honest, a lot of us, we just pick up naturally. And you know what? All of us in the world do. The, the challenge is, is if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to live different. Not wear the same thing that everybody else is wearing. And so what do we do? It's so hard, but here's the struggle that I've had in my journey of following Jesus. Is that a lot of times I think, okay, I'm following him. Now I need to clean my life up. Now I need to kind of get better. And so what do we do, okay? We try our best to filter the, the external. We try our best to like, okay, I'm gonna, I've gotta be better. I'm gonna be a better person now that I'm, I said yes to Jesus. And so now I gotta stop doing this and I gotta stop this and stop doing this. And so you know what we do? We actually implement things to punish ourselves for messing up. Like, I don't know if any of you ever done this, but um, maybe like had a swearing jar. Have any of you ever had to use a swearing jar because you're like, I cuss like a sailor and I need to stop and it's not good. I don't want my kids to do this. And I, and I go to work and I'm, I tell everybody I had this moment with Christ and I go to church now, but then I say, oh, F that, that was awful, you know. And you're like, I, I gotta stop doing that because now they're sitting there going, you, went, you go to church and you talk like, you know what I mean? So then you just, what do we do? We like a swearing jar. Every time I say a bad word, I'm putting $5 in. Do you know what I would love to do in the church? I would love if we could have a gossip jar. I would tell people, hey, don't worry about giving a tithe. Just every time you gossip, put $10 in the jar. Oh, my gosh. God's kingdom would expand so fast. We'd be putting up buildings everywhere. We'd be opening campuses so fast because, because in the church, th this is one of ours that, that we 
that we got, it's under the guise, it's really slander, it says, but we just gossip about people. Can I, can I just tell you something about following Jesus? And maybe this will actually be helpful. Following Jesus is not about behavior modification. I know that's what some of us think, because you, maybe you thought about religion, and you think religion is all these rules about what I can't do and how I'm supposed to live, and then you thought, I can't measure up, and I can't do all those things. Those people are so good, and I'm not good. And so you think it's all about behavior modification. Somehow i got to filter my life, because I know I shouldn't look like these things and have all these things, but I still do have all these things. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I have all these things. And he would probably say, the problem is you're addressing all the external expression of the sinful nature, but you're not actually dealing with what's on the inside. All these things that Paul lists when he says all these things you got to strip off, the, the lying, the slander, the gossip, the revenge, the malicious behavior, let's be honest, those are the outward expression of actually what's really lurking on the inside. We, we know this because Jesus said that it's out of the mouth flows what's in the heart. And the problem is that, can I just say this? Most of the time we are just trying on our own strength with behavior modification. Okay, I've got to be better rather than asking him to help me become different. There's a difference. There's a difference. The, the challenge is actually addressing what's really on the inside. In fact, maybe you missed this, but, but can I reread verse five to you? Because I believe that was actually a key. Verse five, here's what Paul said. He said, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking where? Everybody say it, lurking within you. Okay, he talked about all of the things that come out of you, but first he addressed what's within us. He said, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And listen, until we address what is within us. Now, this was the problem with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they, they got a covering to cover themselves up because they had messed up, but they didn't actually address what was messed up inside of them. And this is what Paul says, you got to first put to death what's inside of you because what others can't see are the things that, the things that Paul was talking about. You, you might, the problem is, is that lust has not been dealt with within your heart. The problem is idolatry still runs your life. The problem is, is that greed has taken over your life and we go, oh, I'm supposed to be this person is better, but yeah, but immorality is running rampant in your life, impurity. And Paul says this, hold on, we, we're going to address what we have to take off, but before we do that, we got to address what we need to kill. We actually need to kill some things within it. I know this is kind of gruesome language. This is gruesome language. Paul literally says, put to death. The sinful earthly things lurking within you. Can I maybe rephrase it this way so that you'll remember it? We actually have to do this, but we need to slay the sin within. That's what it means, slay the sin within. Literally, it's this language of kill it. 
Here's what I know. A lot of us, we have maybe made a decision. You said, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Can I just tell you something? That is more than just a decision to choose to go to heaven when you die. It's also a decision to choose to kill the hell within you when you're still alive. It's not just, I think, I think a lot of times we go, well, I want, I want to go to heaven, and so I, I will give my life to Jesus. That's great. That's part of the decision. But what happens after that is another decision that you and I have to make to actually put to death the old us. Like, I think some of us, we need to have a funeral for our earthly nature. I know you've been raised to life with Christ. I love that. You've had the resurrection moment, but you still need to bury the old life. In fact, uh, the, the term that he uses to kind of kill or put to death made me think of when I was a kid and there was a video game that I loved to play. It was called Mortal Kombat. You ever play Mortal Kombat? Well, Pastor Russ likes Mortal Kombat. But, but you all remember, you remember the part where after you're fighting your, your enemy because that's, can I just tell you, that's what life is like when you're, your enemy just happens to be lurking within and you're in a constant battle between that old nature and the new life that Christ has brought into you. Okay, so there's a battle. It's mortal combat that's going on. And what happens after you defeat your enemy with two rounds, you hear this voice come in that says what? Finish him. Finish him. And that's when you do certain moves and you can rip his heart out and hold a beating heart. I know it's really gross. It's gruesome. But that's actually the picture of what Paul is saying we need to do with our old nature is that we need to finish it off. Finish them. Finish them. Here's what's interesting. I think sometimes maybe we've not been, me, pastors, we've not been the best at really explaining this, how it works. You make a decision to follow Jesus. That's awesome. That's where it starts. But then you have to realize that you're gonna also have to make another decision and it's hard, but that's to kill your old nature. It's another decision. Kill your old nature. And so Paul says that when you do that, that you will strip off the old and you'll put on the new. How do, how do we do that? That's, that's a tough thing. How do we do that? How do we strip off the old and put on the new? The key was verse 10. Let me show you. It's kind of simple, but it's actually really powerful. Colossians 3 verse 10 He said this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to do what? Help me out and say these parts. To know your creator and become what? Like him. So so there's a term, um, there's a theological term for the Mortal Kombat finish him move that we have to do in our lives. There's a term for slaying your sin. It's a theological term. It's called sanctification. Sanctification. That, that's the term for like having to kill the old you that wants to rise back up. I know you were raised to life in Christ and there's a symbolic moment. The moment you get baptized, the old you has died and the new life has come. And Jesus has started something in you. But you need to recognize that there's another decision that you have to make after that, which is that you have to continually kill the old you that wants to come back. And this is a process of sanctification. Now, if that's a big word and you're going, what does that mean? I'll give you a real simple definition. It's the process, I believe it's a process, the process of becoming different. What is sanctification? Becoming different. 
It's looking and becoming different than the rest of the world around you. It's the process of becoming more like Jesus. Now here's what's amazing is that you're not alone. You don't do this on your own. You partner in the process with God. Okay, some people go, well, are you sanctified? I don't even know what that means. No, it just means, have you also made the decision to step into the process with Jesus on an ongoing change that's going to happen inside of you? You actually have to make that decision, by the way. And Paul tells us the path to sanctification, this process of becoming different, is twofold. It's a twofold process. I want you to know what he said, right? He said, you've got to learn to know God and become like him. Learn to know God. I love how he said learn to know. He didn't say you have to know God because that's impossible. It's impossible to know an infinite God, okay? Maybe that's why Paul says you got to learn to know him. And then you become like him. So my question to you is this. Have you actively stepped into the process of discovering who God is. You have to do it. Well, I came to church. That's awesome. That's part of the process. We even talked about a little bit last week, daily devotions, weekly worship. It's part of the process. But listen, we don't just check a box off. We don't just go to church and listen to a sermon because I guess that's what you do at church. No, you should show up ready to lean in and God, God, show me who you are and show me what I need to deal with in my life. And then you need to process it. This makes no difference in your life if you don't actually walk through this and process it and then kind of actually step into change. I want to become different. So do you. The key, because sometimes we can just sit there and scrub all day long and never seem to get off the stains. The key is to learn to know God. Can I just tell you that's a lifelong journey? I feel like I haven't even brushed the surface of who God is in nearly 30 years of following him. Can I, can I just tell you, it's a lifelong journey that you have to, I'm, t- I'm trying to say, you have to step into it. It will not happen magically. I feel like I need to say that because I think some people are like, well, I started going to church and I said yes to Jesus. I love that. That's amazing. You took the first step. Now is another decision to enter this process and say, God, whatever you want to change in me, Whatever you need to deal with that's inside of me, I'm going to say, come, and, you, and you, you begin to change me. You begin to change me. And so you say, how, how do I know if it's working? Simple question. A real simple question. If you say, how do I know it's working? How do I know if I'm actually becoming different? Here's what you do. You go step in front of a mirror. And I ask you this question. Are you different today? than you were then. I mean, I mean, you know, and if you don't know, you can ask people around you. But I'm asking you this question, and this is the question I want you to ask yourself. Am I different now than the moment I gave my life to Jesus? Now, let me, let me just make it a little bit more difficult for those of you that have been following him for a while. You don't compare yourself with how you looked 30 years ago. You compare yourself with how you looked last year. That's part of the process. Do I look different today than I did last year? I'm not talking about a mere like, okay, yeah, I know I got some more wrinkles. I know I got a few more gray. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who you are as a person. 
I'm talking about the way you treat your spouse and your kids, the way you talk to others, the, the way you, you, you respond in, when people come at you and they say things about you and the way you do. Are you different now than you were then? Can I, can I just tell you this? We, we all wanna be different. And I'm trying to take something that feels like it's so hard to grasp. I feel like becoming different is kind of hard to put your mind around. But if I could just boil it all down for you today, I would just say that different starts with a decision. It really does. Different starts with a decision. It's a decision to take off the old you, right? Everything on the inside and the outside and to cast it aside. That's, that's literally the language, listen, that's the language of strip off the old. It literally means to take off and to throw it aside. So that's what Paul says, you have to take off the old. And then here's the important part, you gotta put on the new. Can I, can I read to you what that new looks like or should look like in our lives? Colossians 3, 12 through 15, here's what he said. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must do what? Everybody say that word, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's a decision, by the way. Can I just say these are decisions that I'm talking about? Look at verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And I love this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Adam and Eve, God saw their attempt to cover themselves, but they didn't deal with what was within. And so God did something that they couldn't. God did something when he, sacrificed an animal to cover them. You, you probably know this, but that was actually a picture of what God was gonna do for you and me through Jesus. And Paul says, you gotta strip off those things. It's a decision. I think sometimes we, we try to make this faith thing just so kind of freewheeling and just like, oh, I'm just a person of faith and I'm just trying to be better. And I'm just trying to be better. You can make a decision to do these things. When somebody hurts you, you can make a decision to forgive them. I know it's hard. I didn't say it was easy. It's a decision. And so Paul said, you gotta think about what's in your wardrobe. And, and you have to take off the old nature. But here's what I love. He said, you also need to put on Christ. You gotta be clothed with Christ. What does that mean? It means you're gonna put on kindness. How do you do that? Well, when someone's a jerk to you, smile and be kind to them. Well, I, this is not who I am. It's who you should become. I don't care if you've been a jerk for 40 years of your life. 
that's your old nature. That's not who God made you to be. Sometimes we excuse it. Well, I'm just kind of a prickly person. No, you're not. That's your old nature. That's not who God created you to be. And so when you say, no, I'm going to put on kindness, or you know what? I'm going to walk in patience this year. How do I walk? It's a decision I make. It's a decision I make to walk in patience. Okay, this year, you know, when someone hurts me, instead of revenge, what am I going to do? I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to show them mercy. I'm going to experience the peace of God when I walk with him. And when you learn to discover who God is, when I understand that God is sovereign over all, guess what? All of a sudden, I don't have to freak out and I don't have to worry about so much because I know that God is in control. See, discovering who God is will actually change how you operate. When I discover that God's my provider, I don't need to run after greed. I don't need to run after things that I think will meet my needs because I know that God will take care of me. And he said, he says this, above all, put on love. Put on love. That reminded me of something that that Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus told his disciples, he said, a new command I give you. What was that new command? It's to love one another, right? New command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, here's the cool part. By this, it's a decision. You can choose to love. Do you know, even if you would say, I'm not a very loving person, stop. You can choose love. Someone says something mean, you can choose love. Someone cuts you off, you could choose love. He says this, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. In other words, the world will take note that you're different. What if the very thing that people bumped into with you when they ran into you was love and not your political opinion? What if the thing that people ran into was love and not your bad attitude that day? What if they ran into love and not your sour spirit? What if they ran into that? You know what they would say? That person's different. They're different. And you know what all these things are? Let's think about what Paul was saying here. Love and kindness, patience, peace. And I, I thought about it. I went, oh, these are the, this is the fruit of a spirit. In other words, this is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me. You see, I, I believe that we can actually make the choice to invite and receive his spirit within us. And can I just tell you, God will give you as much of, you, of his spirit as you desire. And if you're going, I want to change and be a different person this year. I'll give you the key. Invite his spirit into your life more and more every day. And all of a sudden, one day, it's a process. You mess up. There, can I just tell you there's grace? If you go, oh, I need that swearing jar again. I messed up. I messed up again. Can I just tell you there's grace? There's grace for it. Don't condemn yourself. Don't beat your. God's grace is not just there to save you, but it's also to pick you up when you mess up. And it's a process. It's a process. And so my, my challenge to us this year, if you want to really be different this year, you have to step into the process. 
What process? Sanctification. Learn to know God and become like him. It'll take time. It'll take years. But I measure process by, do I look different today than I did last year, last month? That's how you know you're changing. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? You bow your heads. You just pray with me. Father, I'm so grateful that you have given us your word to help us to understand what it means to follow you. God, in just such a a simple way, but I, I pray that, God, your spirit is speaking to us. God, I want to be different this year. And I believe I'm not alone. I believe, God, that we want to be different. Your people, we want to follow you. We want to be different. And so, God, we're here today with a posture of saying, God, will you deal with that which is within me first? Can I just say in a moment like this of prayer, one of the things you could do, you don't have to do it out loud, but one of the things that will actually bring the most change to your life is when you confess what you know is inside. When you literally, maybe some of you, that's what you need to do in this moment. You just need to start the things that are lurking within you. Say, God, I don't want these. God, don't let greed, don't let evil desires, don't let lust, don't let this immorality, these thoughts that I'm having, don't let these things run and control me. God, I don't want to be controlled by my old nature, but I want to walk in tune and step with your spirit. And I believe maybe what we need more than anything is to be filled with his spirit today. Today, if you would love to just receive a fresh outpouring of his spirit, would you just lift your hands in God's presence right now? Would you just hold your hands up? If today you say, I wanna receive something fresh from God. I I want his spirit to fill me. I want his presence to surround me. God, I can't do this on my own. And so here today, God, I'm saying, Lord, would you come into my life? God, would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your spirit? God, today we cannot be different without you. God, I can't do it on my own strength, but I know that I can do it with your spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of me. God, I pray that love would flow out of us. I pray kindness, God, this week would flow from us. God, that patience would be in our hearts. I pray, God, mercy would come forth. I pray forgiveness would flow out of what you're doing inside of us. And so today, God, we said we receive it. God, we receive your spirit. We receive what you're doing in us. And God, we're committed to you. We're worshiping you. We serve you in this place. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.